Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. But as we approach Tuesday and as we approach the champion hurdle, cast your mind back through so many festivals past. Scarcely can one horse have been asked to bear such a heavy burden of expectation. Constitution Hill and Nico de Boinville, who are surging here. But Constitution Hill sweeps majestically into the lead, rounding the final corner. He opens up by four, five, six lengths in the colours of Michael Buckley. Constitution Hill, a class apart, wins the Supreme. He's never come out of second gear here. Constitution Hill, virtually a common canter to take the grade one Labrook's Christmas hurdle. Extraordinary to think we've only seen him twice since the Supreme Novices last year, but both times he's been devastating. He runs in the colours of the man on my right, Michael Buckley. You came in here, sat on this sofa 12 months ago, Michael. I think you're probably quite a superstitious sort of person. Am I, am I right? Well, quite. I mean, it depends. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. I would have thought that last year I would have been uh, more nervous than this year, but it doesn't feel like it. Why, why do you think that is? I think, because, in, a, in a way, I think it's because it, there's very little rest from being reminded that, that you're running in the champion hurdle. I mean, this horse has become such a, so popular with so many people. And and I'm really so happy that people are so many people are rooting for him. Um, as I found out about it in Newcastle, really, the crowd there was quite extraordinary. And I thought, well, he did this one amazing thing at Cheltenham last year, but I hadn't realised until we were there how much he'd captured everyone's imagination. And I'm really grateful. I just hope he puts on a good show again and and keeps everybody happy, particularly you and me. <laughs> Just wind back a, a year uh, ago. I mean, we were we were expecting him to to run a big race. A lot of people were expecting him to to win, but it was him versus John Bond. Which one was the best horse in their own stable? Even if people privately within seven barrows were pretty sure of their own opinion. When what started to unfold started to unfold at, at, at the festival last year on that on that famous opening day and that famous opening race, what what was going through your head as someone who's seen so many good horses, owned so many good horses in the past? Well, I thought he had a good chance uh, of winning the race. Um, and um, I guess, as is the case, we'd been off to, to Kempton, which Nicky does a couple of weeks before Cheltenham with a few of the horses. And uh, he worked there with Epitant, and he worked extremely well. John Bon actually worked on his own that year. And um, he, 
he looked sort of eff effortless in the work, and I'd heard he and seen how well he worked occasionally. But nothing... I, I defy anybody to imagine that their horse could do what he did. I mean, it never occurred to me that he would win in the manner that he did. I mean, you couldn't possibly dream of something. I thought, gosh, if he could win by five or six lengths, how thrilling would that be? And, and it was billed as a sort of super competitive event. A lot of Irish horses, Willie had... Well, he was playing around for some long time about which ones he would run in that. And I think Sir Gerhard went for the two and a half mile in the end. Um, but when you find out... Well, I, I suppose it's never happened to me before. But uh, when you find out that... I'm sure John Magnet does this every year. Suddenly you've got this one horse which comes and wins the derby in some impressive form. You think, yeah, I've really got something good. So to win by more than 20 lengths and in the way he did, it was absolutely extraordinary. I was out at the front with Nicky and um, I came off the stand there absolutely shaking. I couldn't believe what I'd seen. So I, how did I feel? I was absolutely astounded. Uh, and then there was talk about going on and, uh, and running again last year and you didn't, you kept your, your powder dry for, for this year. I, I get the sense sometimes with you that you're itching to, to see a bit more of on, on the race course. Well, I think that um, it's very easy to, and understandable in a way, that people don't want to risk horses. Um, and I thought that Nicky got a pretty proud rap for a lot of the press by when we didn't run it at, um, at Ascot. Well, oh, no, at Ascot yeah. this year, because the ground was, was uh, pretty firm, which was sad, we wanted to run. Um, and the idea being that Epitant would go to Newcastle and we'd go there. Um, but, um, so yeah, I like the idea of running. And when I bought the proclamation in Ireland all those years ago, I knew Paddy Prendergast Jr., who trained him, was a pal of mine. And I rang him up and I said, Nicky thinks I should buy this horse. You know, do you think that's a good idea? And he said, if you leave him with me, if you buy him, and leave him with me, I'll win you the champion novice at Punchestown. So we bought the horse, and I said to Nicky, I think I'm thinking of leaving him in Ireland <laughs> to run in, in the champion novice. He said, no, 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 he's got to come back, got to come back. And I said, well, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to put him in a field. I mean, why don't we have a go? Um, and um, anyway, he won very impressively. So I think uh, I like the idea of running the horses. I mean... It's fun to see them run, particularly if they're good. Yeah. And, you know, you get the thrill of and the buzz of seeing them win and so forth. So, and because, and they still are, there's comparisons. I was just looking at a newspaper outside before I came in here. One of them's talking about his time versus Honeysuckle last year, and it would be so many lengths or whatever. Um, and, of course, the races will run in a different way, so you can't take it that it was exactly worked out that way. But it certainly looked as if, on the way he performed that day, that if they raced against each other, he would have at least been competitive. So it would have been fun. So, yeah, I love the idea of having a go. What was patently obvious when I went down to the Lambourne Open Day on Good Friday was that the horse was telling you, I mean, you just had to look at him, that he'd had enough of the year. And it's easy to get, and I'm as 
prone to this as anybody, it's easy to get lulled into the idea that you win by 20 lengths, you must have had an easy race. Of course, you win by 20 lengths and in a time like that because the horse put everything into it. It's the first real race he'd had. Um, maybe, I mean, gosh, this sounds a bit conceited, and I don't mean it this way, but if you look at how these races have unfolded, it's possibly the only real race he's had in that he's managed to win the others fairly comfortably. And that was the one, probably because of the atmosphere <coughs> of the race, a huge crowd and all the noise. And also, I suppose, if you're Nicker, you want to think, gosh, I'm having fun here, why not? Yeah. Um, it was the one where he probably did have a hard race. And he was a very, he was a much weaker horse last year than he is now. He was very young. Um, so, anyway, there it is. Off we go again. A week full of drama <laughs> coming up. So much more to enjoy on the show. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Michael Buckley. Always so full of enthusiasm and really living that dream with Constitution Hill. We will be touring Ireland quite soon and not the obvious places that have been over-talked on the previous circuit either. I'll be talking to John Kiley, who helped to train a festival winner last in 1993 with Shula Big chance in the bumper. I'll be talking to Paul Nolan, who seeks his fourth festival success. Most recently, of course, he struck with Mrs Milner. He's got four interesting chances during the course of the week. I will also be checking in with Gavin Cromwell. Can Flooring Porter make it a third success at uh, the festival in the Stairs Hurdle, emulating Ingalls Drever, who won three Stairs Hurdles? And I'll be checking in with the man himself, Charles Burns, about Blazing Carl and about so much more. But as we heard from Michael Buckley, it is just so exciting to be involved with a horse that is going to run at the Cheltenham Festival. And the McNeil family in recent seasons have really built up quite an important string, both sides of the Irish Sea, and some really important runners this year, including three under through five in the race that they sponsor, the Ultima Handicap Chase, and a three-card brag who is going to be one of the leading fancies for the Albert Bartlett. I'm delighted to say that joining me and the Racing Post, Maddie Playl, this morning is uh, Ella McNeil, also uh, responsible for the Chelsea Thoroughbreds jumping string. So quite a bit to reflect on there, Ella, but, but welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, really excited to be here. And, and what a week for you and your, your whole family. How special does it feel to, to share it with, with all of them? Oh, it's amazing. You know, the festival is something I've been going to, I think, since I was about nine or ten when Walk-On uh, was second in the Triumph back in the day. So it's got a lot of history for our family. We've been trying to have a winner there since then. So, you know, we, we go every year with lots of high hopes. But, you know, we've got a, a good few chances this year. So um, we're really looking forward to it. And Maddie, nobody, not even Michael Buckley with a one to three, one to four, one to five shot can take anything for granted no but i did say to michael when he walked in history's going to repeat itself both of us were on this time last year and look what happened in the supreme so let's fingers crossed for a for a brilliant champion hurdle success from constitution hill now he's gone can we entertain <laughs> the possibility of exactly what this horse might do on tuesday I, I was considering that the bet in the race might be i don't know back him to win by 20 or something quite feasible isn't it he's just a scary horse and everything that he's achieved there doesn't seem to be a chink in his armor and any race setup seems to suit him so it's quite possible we could see another blockbuster performance obviously he's got state man to contend with who's arguably his strongest um, rival yet but I think we're going to see another huge performance from this horse on Tuesday do you agree Ella I think so um, I think it's one of the best races of the week I'm so looking forward to it, um, you know, a proper English-Irish contest. Um, 
but I do hope Constitution Hill rumps, rumps up that hill. Um, it'd be fantastic for British racing. Yeah, there's something that Michael was saying there about about the fa the fandom factor that, that really appeals to him, and and you know where where racing as a sport perhaps is 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 losing out is that is that fan base is getting is getting older, and we're not necessarily replacing it. It's the athlete, the brilliance of an athlete that can really capture people's imagination, whether they be human or equine. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I think you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, onus on betting, which is obviously you know vital for our sport. But I think the stories behind these horses is what makes racing so f enjoyable, fascinating, exciting. Um, and I think Constitution Hill. I mean, you know, you can't get a better story than that. And I think it's it's really captured the public's imagination. And I think I, re I really hope he does the business on Tuesday. It's quite interesting, Maddie. I was talking to to Lydia about this earlier in the week, and they were doing Road to Cheltenham. Uh, in Ireland, and she'd been doing quite a bit of, of work on the preview circuit there, and saying she was saying how how many of the of the adverts in Ireland are based on the participants. So the the adverts are there, put there by the bookmakers, if the, by Paddy Power and Betfair, whoever, but um, Ladbrokes, Corals, but the, but they're focused much more on the participants, human and equine there, than they are here, which was quite interesting. You want to engage people, you want to get people to bet, you want to get them interested in the sport. How do you get them interested in the sport in the first place? Yeah, big personalities, you know. Um, I think that's what people gravitate towards, big opinions, um, and our horses can't talk, sadly, so we need our people to do that for us, whether that's, you know, speaking to grooms, pundits, trainers, owners. Um, we need to get that emotion that they're feeling shared wider. Um, and I think the preview nights do a good job of that. It's good fun. Um, but also a lot of the features, a lot of the footage of those closest to the animals, I really think that's going to be key. Horses can do, as we saw yesterday at Sandown Park, amazing things. So we look back at the Imperial Cup. Ella, I, I just want to start with you because you're now representing Chelsea Thoroughbreds with their with their jumpers. Yeah. And light blue colours there, Nickelbocker Glory ran an amazing race. Oh, he ran his heart out. We're yeah, so thrilled with him. You know, we weren't we were expecting him to run well. He hadn't run since uh, last time at Weatherby in, in November, so he came here fresh. Um, yeah, we were expecting a solid run. He he loves those conditions, so it it all looked like it was is it was you know going to go well but not quite that well we were so pleased with him i, I did think you had a proper shout here didn't I, you i, I thought I backed we, him i thought was going to collect at this point <laughs> i did think we were going to win by 10 lengths at one point but um no he just got a little bit swallowed up by by ICO there but um no we're so thrilled with him ICO for chris giles his first double as an owner at sandown a track that's been very local to him in the in the past the first double there for 13 years, initiated by Crambo in the EBF final. This was a, another wonderful ride, I thought, Maddie from, from Harry Cobden. He is going into the festival with so much confidence. He can make things happen at the moment. Yeah, he doesn't panic. I think that's the key thing. You saw him earlier on in the straight pushing Isio along, but he wasn't giving everything, and he just seems to deliver horses perfectly. Um, you know, this is a horse who's pretty much flattened the last on all fours, lost momentum and Harry just knows what he's got underneath him and um, produced a really powerful finish. And this is a classy horse, let's not forget what he first did um, at Kempton a couple of seasons ago and, and this was evidence of that, but you're going to show this picture in a minute and I think it's just incredible. Yeah, um, what this horse has had to race with is extraordinary. I'm going to show you that in a moment. First of all, however, let's hear from the, the winning owner. I said it was his first double for an awful long time. And the big question if you win the Imperial Cup is, right, do you just bash on to Cheltenham well in with the, with the penalty and he, he had engagements there. This is what Chris had to say. 
mean, the last time I did a double, it was 13 years ago. It was Red Harbour winning the EBF, uh, a horse called um, Chico Polos winning the novice that day. So it's been 13 years. It's, uh, they don't happen very often, do they? Fantastic. And in these yeah. two races as well. The question that we need to, need, need to, to answer week. is next week. I, I, look, Harry jumped off. He said that's a hard race. I think we'd probably rather go to air if, if uh, that helps punters. Um, it, let, let's see. But I, I think you've got to listen to the jockey. That was a tough race out there today, wasn't it? It, it was hard. And he's, do you think he's a horse that's got a bit more than we've seen because of his natural exuberance early. He must have taken a bit out of himself and yet he still was able to win the race. Yes, I, I, I think he does, but remember, he's very lightly raced because we had this injury problem which Clifford Baker discovered and credit to him, uh, otherwise he wouldn't be here, but you know, th this is only what he's third or fourth, fifth race under rules, so you know, I, I, I think he'd probably miss next week and, and let's find a later target amongst the, the, the spring festivals. Is he a horse that Paul Nichols has always given you a good feeling about, a good vibe about? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think he'd be a super novice chaser next year, you know, over a trip, uh, you know, two mile four, three miles, I would have thought. So uh, we look forward to that. Fantastic. And Crambo in the previous race. Wonderful. Yeah, he, he's a horse with Fergal O'Brien. He's only got one blip on an otherwise blemish-free record. How yeah. high do you think he could fly? Well, look, I, 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 he definitely wants a trip, doesn't he? But uh, what was impressive today was we, we didn't expect to make it. He was quite keen at the start. Um, then I think Connors felt out front was the place to be. But the way he stayed on after being headed was a fantastic. Great attitude, great engine, super horse. Chris Giles, who's lucky enough yesterday to see two horses carrying his pink and purple silks to victory at Sandown Park. And he's got three runners at the Cheltenham Festival as well, amongst them Grenatine and Stay Away Faye in the Albert Bartlett. More of that race in a moment. That, however, is what ICO has had to run with. He had a hairline fracture to his cannon bone last year, as Paul Nichols explained. And Paul very kindly sent this in. And the vets pinned to the, the leg to make sure that fracture was stable and that's how he that's how he runs it's pretty amazing how far um veterinary technology has come and indeed how far being able to train racehorses like this has has come maddie and and well done paul nichols for for showing us all yeah and credit to clifford baker as well who i think spotted it because mm. they said he was lame and they couldn't figure out what it was and it just goes to show the sort of care and attention that goes into these animals i mean I'm no vet, but I just find that incredible how a horse can run like that to, to such a high level with six pins all the way through his leg. It's remarkable. But I guess there are human athletes doing it. So I, I guess why can't, a, why can't a horse do it? But it, it, just, it just shows the, the, the level of care that, that you need to get them to, to this level. Absolutely. And the technology these days is just amazing. And I think more of this is welcomed, I think. Sh being more transparent with us and sh showing what it takes to get a horse to the track and how much care and attention goes into it, I think, yeah, is what we need more of. And for you as, a, as an ownership group and as a, as a family ownership group, how much do you, not demand, but how much do you expect from your, from your trainers in terms of knowing all the minutiae of what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis and how much interest do you take in the, in the veterinary side of things and, uh, and that? Yeah, I mean, we obviously care deeply about these animals and I think you know, if anything happens, trainers are on the phone to us 30 seconds after they find out. And I think that's really important. You know, part of a trainer's role is to keep his, their owners, you know, in the loop with things. And communication these days is so important. So, no, we, we, we take great care of these animals in terms of from a kind of step back when we're overlooking all the horses. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think the trainers do, do a very good job and that all the trainers that we have are, are fantastic at keeping us in the loop with things. So, um, but yeah, it's vitally important. Paul Nichols is one of those trainers for you as well now, of course, as well. 
talk about three under three five in a moment. But Twin Power ran for you in yesterday's EBF final. And again, ran a, ran a pretty solid race in the end. Yeah, ran a lovely race. I mean, he's had a couple of hard races at Sandown previously to this. Going well here, the maroon sleeves and cap. Indeed, and I think he probably just got a little bit tired and stuck in the mud. Um, the ground probably wouldn't be to his absolute best liking. Um, but no, we were really pleased with him. He, you know, he ran on well at the end there. Um, and I think probably we'll go to air with him next. Um, where the ground is a little bit more drying, typically. Maddie, Jamie Moore was making an interesting point to me after he won the first race about the, the extent to which there was an advantage down towards the far rail and that those horses racing deeper on the track might have been at a significant disadvantage. He ended up finishing second here, hugging that rail behind Crambo, ridden by Conor Brace, who looks a good prospect. Yeah, absolutely. Great ride from Conor Brace, I thought. Seized the initiative early doors, um, was very positive and then obviously got him back up to win. I was quite... Um, my eye was drawn to uh, Etalon in behind for the Skelton team. I thought he travelled really well. Just looks a big, weak horse. But this is about Connor Brace and, and celebrating a young jockey who's, who's clearly on the up. Yeah, and Connor Brace, good performance. Fergal O'Brien winning his second EBF final. I think it was seven years after the first with Barney Dwan in 2016. But Crambo looks a decent prospect. So many exciting runners for you next week. We've yeah. got to start with... I was going to say your race, but this is this, the Ultimate Handicap Chase is a race sponsored by uh, your family company. Yeah, that's right. Um, Dad sponsored it, I think, for seven, eight years now. And it's a race obviously very close to our hearts. And we've been trying to win it for a few years. Well, trying to have any winner at the festival. We've been trying for a long time. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. I think three under three, five goes there with a live chance. Uh, has this been marked out as his race then for quite a long time? I think, well, his season has been a, a little bit, you know, not so straightforward. He obviously unseated Adrian at the first in the Coral Gold Cup, which was his target pretty much yeah. ever since he ran in the Brown Advisory last season at Cheltenham. So, you know, we had to then find somewhere else to go with him. So we obviously went to Warwick um, in January and he only dropped, I think, a pound from that run. We would have seen him maybe like to be dropped a few more pounds for that. But, um, yeah, I think... He, yeah, he, he goes to this race with a live chance. We obviously love to have runners in the race. Um, but yeah, he lines up with a, with a good chance. He's actually going to uh, be wearing a tongue tie for the, f for the first time. Paul worked him yesterday morning with a tongue tie on and it, it did make quite a bit of difference. It's interesting because he, he's always had that slightly proud high head carriage, hasn't he? Which you always think, well, I wonder if his, his wind might be catching him a little bit. Yeah, the, Adrian says his wind's never been a problem, but I think the last time he ran in his last couple of uh, pieces of work, Adrian just thought, you know, a tongue tie might help. So we're going to try that and, and see, see if that, you know, gives him, gives him the help he needs. Well, we try and get everywhere we can on this programme, even to the ferry crossing the Irish Sea, where I can now check in with Paul Nolan, who's seeking his fourth Cheltenham Festival success this week. How's the crossing, Paul? Not too rough, I hope. Yeah, not too rough. No, we're, we're, only, about, we're only about a minute out, so <laughs> I won't say anything yet, but it seems, seems lovely and calm anyway. Like it's gone a bit misty, but it's fine. Are the, are the horses with you, horse box with you on the ferry? No, the horses are diverted to Dublin uh, because there must be a little bit of wind out at sea. So uh, normally you have to double book the horses. So uh, they're going, they're, they're sailing on the afternoon ferry from Dublin. And do yours normally sail pretty well in your experience? Do they normally take the journey okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Normally they, they never turn a hair. It's, 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 it's very sort of, it's very sort of quiet down in the, on the on the on the lower deck where the horses normally are, and they normally they're they're, they're so used to it. It's, 
it's probably even uh, it's, it's, it's even easier it's, 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 uh, there's less movement I'd say than even travelling on the road all right, you've got nice chances through the through the week. You begin on Tuesday with a horse called uh, Metamorphius in the in the Boodles. It's a, a an unbelievably open race. You could give any sort of horses a chance. Make a case for for Metamorphius for me. Yeah, listen, he he he's, he he won his maiden. Uh, he was he, he was on very heavy ground. He was third first time out in Limerick, and then he won nicely in Punchestown. And then the uh, the last day, uh, you know, they went no real pace and they quickened up up the straight and uh, he just got tapped for toe. Uh, but there was only five lengths separating them. Uh, so they're, they're all very much, I mean, it's 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 going to be a very sort of a competitive race, Nick. And uh, But he has his chance. In touch wood, he seems to jump well. And, uh, you know, if he gets a clean passage through the race, he is a small little guy. But uh, if he gets a clean passage through the race, he has his chance. Sean Flanagan will ride him. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll run respectable. Now, you and I have spoken a lot about HMS Seahorse, both on the flat and over hurdles. And you've always got an interesting view on where he sits in the, in the handicap on, under both codes. What do you believe now? He's a single-figure price for a race like the Coral Cup. Do you think he should be? Uh, probably not. Now, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, I'm, I'm hoping to God, the one thing about him is he's so young, but he's very small. He's a typical flat-blade little fella. He's, he's 15-1. Uh, uh, but he, he seems to be, he's lost that courtish look off now. His neck and his whole body has gone that little bit more athletic looking. And I, and I feel that's where maybe the improvement might come from. Uh, we schooled him the other day, and Sean is, each day he, he jumps to me, he's more happier with him, uh, that he's just moving and uh, that little bit better. And he's, 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 he's just more agile over his hurdles, even in the loose school. But in saying that, I, did, did I think that he'd get to a mark of one, four, three over hurdles? Possibly not. And I hope the handicapper is right. Uh, but you know, just when you see some of the graded horses around him, that, that he has to just that he's just getting a couple of pounds off, it, it it just might be it might be out of his reach. But he's in good form. He's had a lovely prep up to it, no setbacks, and uh, you know, so hopefully to God, I'm not too worried about the ground, not whatever happens. And if he gets a if he gets a sort of a clean passage through the race, gets a nice position and gets into a nice rhythm early on, he has his chance. I don't think the trip will be any problem. Uh, he ran well in the Boodles last year, where he was uh, unlucky to get on the on the after the false start. He was pushed out very wide, uh, but he he still took to the place well. And I'm just hoping that his jumper is a, jumping is a bit slicker than it was, and that should help him in the in, in the cars. You have Western Zara in the Midlands National next weekend, but in the Kim Muir, are you, are you leaning towards the Kim Muir? Yeah, she'll she'll, she'll go to the Kim Muir. I think she get she needs just one or two to come out, and she'll that's where she'll take her chance. Uh, so uh, she, she, she's in good form, uh, possibly a little bit unlucky in the Paddy Power. She got shuffled back after a couple of false starts as well. Uh, uh, she ran well in the Porterstown in Fairy House, so she stays well. Uh, Touchwood, she jumps well, and you know she's, she, she, she'll have a bit of a chance to be ridden to run well. And Sandor Clagan is a horse that you've always spoken of in, in quite glowing terms. Do you genuinely believe this is a, this is a grade one horse for the Albert Bartlett? I do. I think he is, and, and I'm, I'm hoping Nick that he'll be. Uh, we, we had a little slight setback uh, for his Leopardstown uh, run, and uh, he, he was just off colour a little bit for a couple of days. And I'm and I'm putting the way he finished the race down to that. He was only beaten four or five lengths, and I definitely think with the little bit of a setback he had, it, it cost him that much. And uh, the ground was probably as quick as he wanted in Leopardstown that day. He jumped a little bit deliberate and a little bit big, and I'm hoping to God that. Uh, He'll be slicker, and he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a better horse in Cheltenham. I'm hoping he is a fame and glory. He's a little bit hot in himself, so 
so we're bringing him over on Wednesday so that he won't be over in Cheltenham that long. Uh, so we're, we're, we're hoping that he takes to the pace when he goes over. He'll, he'll wear a red hoodie in the parade ring before that. He'll be taken off going to the start. But we just hope we can keep a lid on him and he won't he won't get too anxious. But I think if we if everything goes to plan, I think he'll run a, a very big race. Paul Nolan, who is seeking his fourth Cheltenham Festival success. Paul, thank you very much. As I now uh, check in to Ballingarry County Limerick and Charles Burns, trainer of Blazing Carl, who is as short as 3-1 for the Paddy Power Stayers hurdle uh, and came back with a brilliant win the other day, but it's not been a straightforward preparation. Charles, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Nick. And, you know, there are very, very few trainers, I don't care how many runners they've got, who've got three horses that are single-figure prices for handicaps at the Cheltenham Festival, never mind Blazing Carl in a, in a championship race. How's the whole team feeling ahead of this week? Uh, well, <laughs> we suffered a bit, of a bit of a setback there again this morning. Oh. Uh, shoot first, I'm afraid won't be joining the party. Uh, shoot first is out? He's out, yeah. Yeah, oh. he, yeah he, gave, he gave himself a bang yesterday and uh, we, were, we were at him all night cold holes and then hot and cold and I just had to wait out there at 8 o'clock this morning and, and we felt it would, would be the wrong thing to do to take him. So so that's a, that, that's a bit of a blow up. But anyway, it's a... It, I, I, I tell you something, in preparing for this festival, Charles, you've, you've ridden the roller coaster this year. I mean, as, as you could tell from my exuberant introduction, I had absolutely no idea. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Will he be back soon enough, do you think? I would think so, like, you know, I mean, uh, it's too early to scan or anything, like, you know, the initial scan didn't show anything, and uh, he's due to come back now in eight or nine days trying to do a proper analysis, but it doesn't, I, I don't believe it is too serious, but at the same time, you know, he definitely can't travel, so, it's a, I don't know, I mean, it's, Big blow to me, but it's, a, it's an even bigger blow to the owners. You know, yeah. I said to travel from Dubai, and he was the one half of the, of the whole team. I thought the preparation had gone one hundred percent all the way. You know, so which that's the way it goes. You know, you have to you have to take these things. You know, you've 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 been there before. Charles, and you'll be there again. I'm sorry about shoot first. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to tempt fate, but you sounded a bit more positive about Blazing Carl now, having it kind of having gone up and down for the last few weeks. Where are we at? Yeah, so look, we, we have a decision to make. He's gone now. Um, uh, you know, she looks well documented. Like he, 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 he got a nasty gash. In, after winning in Avon and it took over two weeks of antibiotics we were very concerned at one stage that the infection was going to go into the joint but thank God it didn't and uh, but that has that has made very good progress you know so that 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 course is not going to be an issue you know so that's that, that's the positive and uh, naturally he missed a bit of walk and we just had him at the car there on Monday and we were disappointed with his walk but in hindsight he probably was well entitled to, to blow up you know because he just didn't have enough strong walk really got before it, you know so um look we feel we, we feel it has brought him on and we're you know i mean we're 
we're going in hope more, more so than confidence at this stage. Now, having said that, when I spoke to you after the race, uh, Nav and I said, oh, you know, you must have been thrilled. And you said, come on, Nick. You said, you said if he's going to be a proper horse, he needed to be winning like that. I mean, do you still well, stand by that? Oh, God, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd say he would need to improve another £10 surely from that. Like, you know, I mean, I've no no disrespect to any of the houses in the race, like, but I think they were far from grade one houses, you know. And uh, my, my, my house hasn't won a grade one level either. And um, to look, I look uh, with with the young with Philip riding it, and you know, it's a it's a, it's a serious occasion for us, and mm. you know we were sort of keen not to miss a second yeah. year, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a serious case. I've got Maddie Player with me for the race. Maddie, you want to ask Charles Yeah, something? hi, Charles. Um, how does he compare to, to Solwit, your previous winner of the race? Are they sort of been similar to train, similarly fragile, or, or are they very alike or different? Uh, they'd be very different. Like, Solwit is a really classy horse. Like, I think I, I, I think if Solwit had... Everything had worked out 100% for Solwit at stages, I think he would nearly have won the champion hole, you know? Yeah. Solwit has, has, has all the class, like, and he was... Deadly sleep jumper, you know, um, and Salvat stayed three miles as well. You know, as Salvat was, was kind of the, the all-round package, like you know, while this fella probably needs two and a half to three, like you know, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't be quick enough for two miles, you know. Um, biker is in the in the boodles, Charles. Now I can spot about fifteen in here that might be quite well handicapped. He's obviously one of them. Um, what what are you, what are the what are the what are your vibes with biker? Yeah, look, uh, we're, we're I suppose we we pleasantly surprised like with him really. Do you know what I mean? He didn't his first round like he showed he showed a bit like but uh, we were he surprised us a wee bit and went in the race and he ran a nice set the last day. Um, do you know what I mean? He's He's in there on the mix, like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be... It's, it's going to be for yourself, like, you know what I mean? I mean, they call it a handicap, like, but to be, to be, to be really 20 novices, like, you know? You see, last year, like, the weather were banging off each other. It was unreal, like, under, you know? Just, just watching watching Biker here, sort of sort of looks the part. He travels, jumps, looks an athlete, looks a, looks a racehorse. Yeah, he's a fine, fine big horse. He came from Richard Hannon's. And, uh, for, yeah, fine, fine big, stealthy horse. He is, yeah. A bit, of so, bit of soft ground won't be won't be too much of a problem? Yeah, I'd say he, he should be OK. Like, he should be OK. And you know, as long as he don't go heavy, I, I'd imagine he should be fine on it. Um, look, I think he's in there with a neutral chance after that show. That type of race, you couldn't really say beyond that, you know. Uh, right, let's take a look at these these runners then. Biker, Run for Oscar and Grozny are the two that we, we haven't mentioned. Uh, do you feel particularly strongly about either of those? Yeah, I think Run for Oscar is absolutely flying. Um, the only problem with him now would be the, the ground gone soft, you know. That's, that, would be, that would be negative for him. Uh, but I think if he had reasonable ground, he, he, I think he'd run a big, big race, you know. I think he's in the same type of form as as as, as the time he won this is average. He's in that type of form. Um, so, look, it depends on the ground. I think for for Oscar. I think if the ground is is reasonable, reasonable, I think he's a big chance each way. You know. Super, um, Charles. I'm sorry about shoot first. 
you remain with some very interesting chances and uh, best of luck to you and Philip particularly with, with Blazing Carl. Thanks for your time this morning. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Charles Burns. Um, that uh, yielded a bit of surprising and disappointing news to begin with, uh, but yielded quite a bit beyond that, particularly his comments about Blazing Carl, about Solwick comparisons with, and uh, run for Oscar, who he was very sweet on indeed. Right, next, who's Blazing Carl got to beat in the stairs hurdle? Well, he's got to beat Flooring Porter. What's Flooring Porter done? Well, like Blazing Carl, he's not had the most straightforward preparation, but unlike Blazing Carl, he happens to have won the race twice before the last two years. Uh, Gavin Cromwell is his trainer and joins us now. Gavin, good morning. Morning, Nick. Um, we've, we've just heard from, from Charles, and uh, it just encapsulated in one interview just how difficult it is for a trainer in these weeks and days and hours and minutes leading up to the Cheltenham Festival. You've been through it with Flooring Porter a little bit. Where are we at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we didn't have the clearest run since Christmas. Um, but I suppose, thankfully, we got to do plenty of swimming with him, which was a big help, you know, maintain some level of fitness. Um, he's bounced out of it pretty good, um, very good, actually. I'm delighted with him. Uh, his last couple of bits of work have been very good, and he seems very fresh and well in himself. Even though the two runs this season might have been uh, not perhaps what everyone would have expected, just on strict figures, Gavin, I was talking to Danny Mullins about this earlier this week, they're not that bad. Is there a reason to believe that come this time of the year he can really bloom and, and deliver? Yeah, well, look, at I suppose... If you, his, he's only had the two runs. The first run is over two and a half miles, which is obviously a, l a long way short of his optimum trip, and giving away a lot of weight to the rest of the field. Um, you know, and his fitness levels were probably only maybe at eight percent or so. Um, and then Christmas, um, no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't too bad of a run. Um, I suppose maybe Danny didn't go quick enough. Um, I thought he was he was just pipped for third and Danny eased down on him. Um, but I just thought when he realised the horse passed him, um, he gave him a squeeze again and he actually went to the line really well and, and was was the horse going away after the line. So I don't think he was um, I don't think it was too bad of a run really. I know he was he was beaten three and a half lengths. Mm. Um you know, and he's had his problems since. So um, you know, he clear, clearly he has to take a step forward, but he is in great nick and he definitely seems to be a horse that comes in the spring. Uh, am I right in thinking there's a thousand flooring porter scarves being manufactured for this year? Is it only a thousand? I thought it was more. <laughs> how how does that something like that make you feel? I mean, you've won some great races. You're a champion hurdle winning trainer. You've won two stairs hurdles. You had loads of great days in a pretty short space of time. When they're when they're knocking out scarves by the thousands for one of your horses and he's become a folk hero, what what does that make you feel? Uh, it's fantastic. Um, you know, the, the the lads are, they they really appreciate what they've got and they're really enjoying it, uh, which is brilliant to see. Um, the one thing I noted last year, like there's four people involved in the syndicate and I don't think the general public, I think the, the perception is that there's 100 people in the syndicate and they make everybody feel like they own the horse, which is great. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a good bunch of fellas and um, it was it was unbelievable to to be involved in the whole thing last year um it was it was really it was all about them and the horse and uh, it was fantastic 
just have a look at the, the entries at this stage. Now, I know you haven't declared uh, final orders for Tuesday, nor uh, Pont Audemer for Tuesday. You, you're going to run final orders in the Grand Annual? Yeah, definitely will run the Grand Annual. Um, the less rain, the better for him. Um, you know, he's not, a, he's not a big horse and um, the nicer ground would suit him best. Mm. That's, yeah, you might, it might, but Wednesday mightn't be too bad a day. Might be a sharp frost and I think the rain's going to arrive a bit later, according to, uh, to John Pullen. Um, of the others, you've still got Percival Le Galois and the Potemps and Stumptown in the, in the Kim Muir. Are they likely to run? Yeah, they'll they, they'll all please God. Yeah, they're they're all even today at, at lunchtime today, and um, they're all likely to run. Um, and look, and all well with the with the Friday runners, Path de Rue. Let's be clear about it. And Jeremy's flame. Yeah, they'll run as well. Um, yeah, so look at Percival Lagalwa and and Stumptown. Um, they're coming into into these, these races on on the back of a win, which means that they've gone up in the handicap. So they'll have to improve again, but. I suppose they take positive. They are on an upward curve, so hopefully they can continue to to to, to rise. Yeah, you've won the Bartlett before with Benidier at a big price. Um, it's not like you didn't tell anyone. Um, what about? Let's be clear about it. Yeah, like um, figures would suggest he won't win it, but um, I think he's very suited to the race. Um, I've always thought an awful lot of him. He's he won three bumpers. He was he's beaten two bumpers, once by Kilcroft and one by Sir Gerhard. You know, his form is rock solid. Um took him a while to get going this year, but um I think he's really coming now, so um I, I think he has a live chance. It is a good Albert Bartlett, but um I think he's a worthy contender. best mate one of the great horses in in racing folklore really in the in the last 20 30 years ridden by the man on my right jim cullity who went on to train a gold cup winner in lord windermere in 2014 and for good measure the year that best mate first won the gold cup 2002 he picked up a spare ride in the grand national when things are going your way you know what happens with Binderee. wow what a what a career in so many different respects I, i was just reflecting with you that you might not have even ridden best mate in the Gold Cup if if everyone had steered you in a different direction because you had a choice that year, didn't you? Yeah, it was Lord Noly <coughs> that had, I'd won the RSA in him the year before. Yeah. Um, he was proven around Cheltenham better, more so than best mate because the year before, two years before, uh, best mate was favourite for the Arkle. Yeah. But it was off with foot and mouth. Uh, then he went straight to the Gold Cup. Um, it was They all tried to make out he's a doubtful stare, etc., etc. Uh a lot of the kind of form experts were telling me Lord Nody's the, the one. I kind of 
between one thing and another, best made in my mind was promising a lot more and it was a no-brainer it was actually a no-brainer for me despite they were trying to convince me to go the other way but for me it was always going to be best made thank god it was <laughs> and presumably there was at no point did did Henrietta Knight or Terry Biddlecombe try and divert you the other way they didn't steer me really no they kind of you know it was kind of my choice um everybody had an opinion but I, I don't need to, I can't seem to remember Hen or Terry um guiding me either way because best mate would have been an unknown at, he was unproven over the trip basically he was and people tried to say he was so classy you know he arguably should have won a supreme novice hurdle which two miles um, and he did show a fair bit of pace so a lot of people said well he can't show that much pace and then stay for me he was always going to be better over further so um, yeah it was a no brainer for me as I say but yeah um, thankfully <laughs> we've made the right decision how did you get him beaten the supreme uh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you want me to be really honest? Yeah, yeah go on. Um, There's enough to put water under the bridge now. You, yeah. can, you can open the colour files. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I had very little experience around Cheltenham. Um, that was my first time ever going there with a horse with a chance. Seriously? Yeah. Um, uh, and basically, Terry, who... Terry Biddlecombe, whom I got on brilliantly with. Hen never really interfered with... Hen trained the horses, but she never really interfered with the jockeys' riding tactics and all that. Um, but Terry did, and we used to discuss a lot. But And if, I, if he had advised me to do something in a race, and if I felt it was the wrong thing to do, I'd say that. Mm. And he'd often say, well, do whatever you like then. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but this was Cheltenham, and we did fancy best mate. Uh, the pressure was on, and I hadn't the experience to be cocky and tell him what I don't actually agree with that. Anyway, my instructions were, there was a favourite of J.P. McManus's, written by Conrad Dwyer. I think you'll never walk alone, was it? I think it might have been, yeah. It was Christy Roaches? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was favourite, and Terry said, follow the favourite. Up his backside, follow him, till you get to the last and overtake him. That was my instructions. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was down to start and I said to Conor O'Dwyer, uh, what are you doing, Conor? He said, good and handy, down the inner. I said, perfect. Uh, so I lined up, up his ass. He couldn't lay up. He, couldn't lay up. he hit him going to the first. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't lay up. So he was being shuffled. He was shuffled coming back. So plan B. Well, it wasn't a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you can imagine, there was about 22 runners uh, we're down the inner, completely boxed in. He was being shuffling back. I was up his ass. I was being shuffled back, 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 and I just ended up way out of my ground over two miles. And um, then as the race unfolded, they spread out down the hill. I kind of was struggling to get a run down the inner. In hindsight, if it was a year later with the experience I gained in that following 12 months, I would have just sat where I was and bided my time, and you'd eventually get, you know, when the rail opens up, you'd eventually get a run, but I didn't. I panicked and went to go around a few and ended up getting pushed quite wide and was flying at the death. <coughs> Should have won. Uh, I never watched the replay. I was kicking myself. I was borderline suicidal after it. Um, contemplated giving up being a jockey. That was the end of my career and all the things that a young, inexperienced jockey feels when something goes wrong on the big stage. Um... Um, I never ever watched the replay until about, I'd say, three years ago. I was sitting down at home watching television and they showed the replays of old Cheltenham's. And I looked at it and I thought, I didn't actually give him that bad a ride. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't actually as bad as what I thought. <laughs> but the end result was uh, two days later, uh, I was riding Lord Noly in the RSA 
And he had a, some sort of a chance, you know what I mean? But he was kind of wasn't the best jumper in the world and one thing and another. And uh, my instructions again were, first three. <laughs> Being the first three, da da da. And I was thinking, they're going to go too quick. He's not a good enough jumper to get competitive early. He'll end up making bad mistakes. So I just I just thought my career's over anyway. That was where <laughs> my frame of mind was at the time. Uh, I'm going to do what I think is best. I went down to the start. I walked out last on the outside. The first three, down the inner. Um, <laughs> That was my instructions. Uh, as it happens, I walked out last on the outside, tipped way around, got the horse jumping, ended up in a lovely rhythm and went and won. And it was, that was a massive, massive turning point in my career as a jockey because I was champion amateur. I was a cocky yeah. young fellow. I, t- I was not a bad rider. I wasn't a brilliant rider, but I wasn't a bad rider for an amateur, seven-pound claiming amateur. But I, was, but I had a hell of a lot of confidence. Then I had injuries and then came that riding best mate and my confidence was gone. And then... Remember, um, actually, there was only three days then. So the Thursday night, we were out. Like Cheltenham was over, we were out having a few drinks at home in the local pub. And Norman says, um, "How'd you get on during the week?" Norman Williamson, "How'd you get on during the week, Jim?" I said, uh, "Well, best mate got beaten. Oh bloody hell! Yeah, worst ride, wor- worst ride at Cheltenham." <laughs> and I said, "Lord Nody won best ride at Cheltenham." Oh, that was nice. And do you know what I mean? That was nice, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> um, I I remember you starting out as an amateur and making. I mean, you. Quite self-deprecating here because you made a serious impression for an amateur. I mean, that's the last time I remember someone with a mister. You, know, you turned up to Ascot one day, I think, one four, didn't you? Three at Ascot. Three, three at Ascot. More Sally, I remember you riding him. Yeah, that was actually, yeah, that was as an amateur. Was it the same day? I don't know. Anyway, I was there. Can't remember. Whatever. I can't remember if it was the same day. But it was, yeah. it was a big impression you made <clears throat> either which way. 13 winners in a week yeah. as a seven-pound claiming amateur. It was around there. That was that, that year, yeah. Yeah, 13 winners in a week. As a, as a seven-pound claiming amateur against professionals was kind of unheard of, to be fair, yeah. <clears throat> so, really, you had little choice but to, to kick on and, and do this for a living? Yeah, I mean, the idea was to get going as an amateur. In hindsight, I probably left a lot of money behind me because I would have got the same... I was riding against professionals. I would have got the same rides as a professional. Um, uh, but I was kind of being led that way a little bit by Hen and Terry. It was, and it was, and I, I don't regret it. It was... Great way to start, and kind of, but unfortunately, I got injured the following year because uh, Barry Fenton and David Walsh tied for the conditional jockeys championship the following year, and I finished two behind them. But I was out for nearly four months with an injury, so um, kind of held my career back. But look, I ended up kind of stable jockey for Henrietta Knight after all that, and sure, look, I, as you said, a great career. I was very lucky. And, and you, there are very few jockeys who effectively stay in one place throughout their entire career. Which is which is what you did? Yeah, well, I retired very young. You see, um, retired at thirty-two, which is you know by now by modern standards. Yeah, yeah they're all 40, 41, 42 now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, look, I was getting a lot of bangs in the head, and I was I noticed that my concentration level was going to going to you know it was before the internet really, but you know you get the racing post every morning, you read an article, but I'd end up reading the first paragraph, start the second one, and you'd f- I'd, I was, uh, my concentration level was so bad, my mind would be after drifting off. And I kind of knew that I wasn't kind of as sharp as I was intelligence-wise mm-hmm. a couple of years, a pre- few years previously, and I thought, this is constant bangs on the head. Like. So I just thought, I don't really want to end up brain dead. Mm-hmm. And m- I always wanted to train, and I'd bought a farm and all that, so I just kind of, it was just a, for me it was just a kind of a, um, What's the word? Kind of um, sort of natural. Yeah, natural progression. Yeah. 
and also there are so few people who've got these jewels in, in their career as well. You know, three gold cups with best mate, you know, an iconic horse. Everybody talks about him um, in, in the early 2000s. What made him the perfect horse for that race? Well, you know, it's interesting you ask that question right now because we're obviously heading into Cheltenham next week and everybody's talking about the drop of rain. And I mean, the one thing you have to, and I was watching the interviews about Shiskin and all that, the one thing you've got to do around Cheltenham is stay. You've got to be, you've got to, like, you've got to, you've got to be able to stay two or three furlongs further in the trip, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like a genuine two miler that gets two miles at a high pace won't necessarily be the best horse in the Queen Mother because you need a horse that nearly stays two and a half. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, the Gold Cup, best mate. He, he had all the class to, and the speed and all that, but what he really did was he stayed. He never, ever got to the bottom of him. Uh, I, they're, they're very different horses in many respects, and, and best mate never sprinted up the hill quite like Aplutar did last year, but... I thought the one thing that Aplutar reminded me of was the way that Best Mate economised his effort on the way round. So you could almost not notice him in a race. He could just he could waste no no air no no time in the air, waste no ground. You could have him down the inside. Everything was about economy with him. And that's that's the sign of a true stayer. That's why they stay. Give themselves a chance to stay. You know. <clears throat> and was he ever a difficult horse to ride? <clears throat> Absolute. Um, I suppose if you. Well, I knew him. I found, I found him extremely easy because I knew him. Um, but I suppose if he did jump off upsides in front, he would actually, he could actually probably run a bit keen, so he just never did that, do you know what I mean? I think I made the running on him once in the Peterborough Chase because nobody else wanted to make it, but he was not a front runner. He, he hated it, do you know what I mean? But he was just a different class than the others, so he won. Uh, the only actually actual thing which he never, ever got credit for... Credit for? His only weakness, I suppose, was... Um, Soft ground, he hated it. So actually, if you actually look at all his form, the only time he was ever beat, beaten was when the word soft was on fast ground. If you remember the middle Gold Cup when he won, I know it wasn't a great Gold Cup. But, but it was a baking day, wasn't it? It was. There was the year there was quite a few injuries at Cheltenham because it was, and all the uh, records were broken and everything um, because uh, it, the ground was rattling. You know, it was, it was firm. And... Um, uh, Oh my God! We jumped off. I remember Martin Roddy Green rode a sixty-sixty-one shot from Martin Pipe, and his that was having his first run in the UK had come from France, and uh, his instruction it was bought to run in the Gold Cup, um, and but it wasn't good enough. But his instructions were go as fast as you can for as long as you can. Oh my! I run I run the Queen Mother that year, and I promise you, I've never actually looked at the sectional times, but I can get, I, be interesting to look back because we went faster in the in the Gold Cup than the Queen Mother that year. And um, and best mate was in my hands, running away the whole way. Like even I was thinking, you're going to have to be some horse to keep going at this. And he quickened off it, and away he went. Fast ground. He loved it.